everyone, and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week, we are venturing into the world of Katara and Zuko, and by that, of course, we will, I mean we'll be taking a closer look at water and fire. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, if you can give us a follow, rating, like, comment, whatever it is, we appreciate it absolutely massively. I'm Tom Jenks, joined as per usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? I'm doing better, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby. A bit worse for wear than I was last time, but that's what happens when you throw yourself at the ground. Oh yeah, yeah, you had a fall. <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, just after we were speaking about it as well. What a tit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pro you're an adult for anyone now, out there. Like, you, haven't, you haven't fallen over. It's a fall. It's a fall. Oh, Tom's yeah. had a fall. Tom's had a fall. Yeah, you know it's bad. Yeah. And I'm, what like emergency buttons now? <laughs> yeah, Grace and I always discuss the like. When is the age when it goes from like, oh, he fell over to, uh, oh, he had a fall. I was like, I think it's like how much damage is done. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. And then the, the damage ratio uh, decreases as you get older. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pro tip for anyone who's skateboarding, longboarding, don't put your foot in front of the wheel. Oh, no, <laughs> never, mate. What are you doing? I was just going uphill thinking this will be fine. Should have just walked up the hill. It's a bit too steep to be boarding up, really, wasn't it? I'm trying to work out yeah. how you're putting your foot in front of the wheel. Are you, like, goofy and then... Uh, left foot on the board. Yeah, what, what Push position? the right foot. Left foot on the board, yeah. Yeah. At the front. Uh, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I think I must have just accidentally turned toward my foot, maybe, trying to dodge a stone. I wasn't really... I don't, I don't really remember much. Um, Other than falling off, so... <laughs> It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, all right. We managed to get through the intro, just. Oh, oh, that was me, though. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got some news before we, we head on into fire and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this is coming out in a couple of weeks from when we record. So if this is old news. Apologies. If you haven't heard of it, go check it out. It's pretty sick. But basically, uh, a man who's been paralyzed for well over a decade has been able to walk again with help from uh, like a four-wheel thing. But also, he's got brain implants in his head, which are Bluetoothing information to his spine and kind of crossing the bridge where his uh, central nervous system has been cut off from his accident, mm-hmm. um, which basically has allowed him to, to walk again. So the, the pair of implants form a digital bridge between the brain and the spinal cord. Um, and has enabled this test pilot to stand better and walk again, showing promise for innovation that would one day transform the lives of people with paralysis. Um, so that the patient had previously regained some ability to walk with the help of the front wheel walker. For the three years before enrolling in the latest test, though, he had reached a neurological recovery plateau. So essentially that means its body is not going to rewire any nervous system to facilitate walking better. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the implants sat above the brain, decoding electrical signals that indicated movement, and it communicated with, a, communicated with another implant connected to the part of the spinal cord responsible for triggering motion in the legs, thus bypassing the injured severed section of a s- cervical spinal cord, 
and wirelessly re-establishing the link between his brain and body, which is pretty mad. That they can read brain waves and go, oh, that's what he's trying to do. It's so specifically to each leg, foot muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's not that accurate, but still, it's a massive step in the right right direction. Oh, I think. you can now, but could you? Uh, honestly, I didn't even. I, yeah, that wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> you can, you can. It wasn't even on purpose. Um. <laughs> so puns aside. Yeah. Good day. Good day all round. <laughs> good outing all round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I hope. And so it's, they've actually seen after this year-long kind of experiment that he's been using this uh, physical therapy as well that the neurons have actually started to reconnect somewhat. Not mm-hmm. completely, but that's really promising. Yeah. That is. Uh, just pretty pretty wild, I thought. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy stuff. I'm glad we're getting there with like technology and medical technology. Yeah. And then, you know, it's going full cyberpunk. Then in a few years, we'll be able to remote hack it and then make him walk off a cliff and say it's an accident. Wow. Do you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but it is yeah, a Bluetooth always, network. So always got to be, you got to keep cybersecurity by design. That is the mantra that everyone needs to keep in their head going forward. Right. Cybersecurity by design. I mean, it makes sense. It does. The amount of like applications and stuff that people have where they're like, oh yeah, we made this really cool application and it does X. And you're like, okay, well, did you like encrypt any of the traffic when it gets sent? No. So it just stores everything in plain text? Yeah. Cool. Plain text for people that don't know is literally just like you hard code something in written so you can just read it and anybody can read it. And you don't really want that if you've got like passwords written in plain text because that means that you can just open up the source code and see it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, no, it's not fun. No, um, it's not. <laughs> um, there, there's new standards. There's, there's standards in place. Like, there's one that uh, work we're looking at, which is called AVSBS. AVBS. It's a standard that uh, OWASP, which is... I, I, I want to know, let's say that I can remember all the <laughs> the acronyms in cybersecurity, but there's too many. <laughs> too many. It's the Open Worldwide Application Security Project. And they release like a, a top 10. They've also got frameworks that if you work towards or work when you're creating your applications, they're, they're like deemed secure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If you also want to get scared, you can always look at their top 10 vulnerabilities and what's going on. Because some of them are just like, oh, geez, uh, why is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll check that out at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. This week, though. We're looking at fire. We'll start with fire. See where we get. Yes, yeah, so, we'll come on to a bit of water fire. as well. Yeah, we're doing like the the elemental uh, series. We'll see where yeah. we get to. We'll see. We'll break it up. We'll try something new. So we'll start with fire. I got some facts. Some fire facts. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, I forgot. As as always, as always, Tom, you always forget about the facts. Straight up yeah. facts. Fun facts. Tom forgets facts. My first five facts is that you can start fire with ice. You didn't know? Oh, can you? If you're out in the wilderness in a really cold place, there's a lot of ice around and you're struggling to make fire, a frozen disc of water can be used to magnify the sun's rays to create fire. Do you know you get like that little, like the concave? And then I give like... Yeah. Like a magnifying glass. You do that and you can create fire with it. That's pretty mad. Yeah, because it doesn't melt because it is 
not enough for the single rays to come through, but then it like but it focuses them. On yeah, the other it side. focuses them all individually on the other side. Oh, I've seen someone do that with um, a Ziploc bag full of water. Mm. They made like a oh, little sphere clever. out of it and focused that's, the light. That's clever. Yeah. Um, and I <clears throat> I saw someone on YouTube the other day who had this massive like flat lens full of concentric circles, and they used the sun to melt a bowling ball. Wow. Yeah. Uh, pretty intense. Really cool. There's a guy in America that uses um, a bunch of mirrors, uh, like handheld mirrors, and makes like an array to cook chicken. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My second fact is, um, I thought it was quite funny. Uh, nobody knows who invented the fire hydrant because the patent for it was destroyed in a fire in 1836. <laughs> That's ironic. <laughs> yeah um wow okay it's very Probably, very oh. american thing of fire hydrants i've realized oh right yeah no it is so like, i was thinking you probably don't, you want don't pattern have that anyway right i mean for the good of saving people yeah for the good of for the good of the world the great good yeah um yeah okay cool so uh because in the uk they just put it into the the mains don't they I think they put it into the... Well, they have the fire truck, don't they? they have, yeah, they have a fire truck, but then if they need more water, because there's a lot on fire, they, there's like... Um, drain, not drains outside, but like... Yeah, the, no, there's little flappy things they can yeah. tap into. Yeah, tap into. Hey, oh, they're coming out today. Not even intentional. What? What? What's coming out today? Puns. Oh, okay. I was like, mate. On tap. Water, yeah, okay, that's yeah. a bit of a bit of a lean two. Like, uh, well, tedious link. Look, I take what I can get these days. Yeah, I've got another one. I've got another one. Back in the day, when horses pulled fire engines, fire stations were equipped with a spiral staircase, so the horses wouldn't try to climb the stairs into living quarters. And you can still find some stations with these stairs. Honestly, it makes sense. Yeah. It does. You don't want your horse upstairs suddenly, do you, if you need to get uh, out of there? It's like when you get the cow. If you get a cow up these stairs, then it's really difficult to get it back down. <laughs> Devonshire problems. Upstairs. Yeah, Devonshire <laughs> problems when you get a cow in your house. Yeah. Um, Is that why they have uh, the slidey poles? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that. That's the reason. So the horses can be shunted out the hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it'd be quicker. Is, no, is yeah, it quicker, so it's quicker it... for them to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've done that classic ADHD thing where you have a conversation in your head with yourself. Yeah. And you bring it back up four yeah. points along. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, fire. <laughs> <laughs> what is fire, mate? What's going um, on there? I don't... I... I so, we don't... We, we've... I hate talking about these kinds of things because it's so ridiculously abstract to be like what is an element and then you have to think about actually what is fire what makes fire hot why what's burning like it's just like this magical property thing yeah and i think it's especially difficult when you try and do that with like all the elements in like a single thing because they're, they're very different in terms of what they are right yeah um but yeah Fire, I think, is the hardest. Yeah, definitely. It, it's so 
like abstract of a, an element because it's constantly moving and it's constantly burning. Yeah. Um, I, a chemical I it, reaction. That, that's yeah. it. That's like on a, on the on the top level, highest level, is a chemical reaction called. It's, it's known as combustion. That is it. Yeah. Uh, I guess taking that a bit further, we could say it's the rapid oxidation of a material, i.e. the fuel, in the exothermic chemical process, as you said, of combustion, releasing heat, light, and various other products, depending on what it's mm -hmm. burning, I suppose. So I guess oxidation is when oxygen molecules attach onto something, but in this case, they're used, aren't they? Yeah. So, so we get on to, like, why, why is the fire hot here? This is yeah. like a crossover. Because it's kind of like the same thing. It's essentially yeah. what... Because what, what, what we think of as the flame, right, is actually only the visible portion of the fire. There's a lot of other stuff going on in there that consists as fire. Yeah. But I think when most people think of fire, they're like, ah, oh, flames. What's going on there? Yeah. Um, and that's primarily carbon dioxide, water vapor, and oxygen and nitrogen. Yep. Sometimes plasma. <coughs> But that's something mm -hmm. potentially fourth state of matter type stuff and makes it even more abstract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. What what go on there? What, what makes a fire hot? Yeah, because this is the thing that I, I always try and like, if you ask the normal person like, oh, well, it's just hot. It's like, well, why, why is it hot? And it's, so when fuel combines with oxygen, it undergoes a chemical reaction that's what it is it's just chemical reaction upon chemical reaction and as tom said it's a exothermic reaction correct Correct. Um, and what's essentially happening is bonds between atoms uh within the fuel molecules they break and new forms uh new bonds are formed to create combustion byproducts like carbon dioxide water vapor as you just said various gases so that heat is from the bonds between atoms breaking Yes. And releasing energy. And that's where you get the heat and the flames from. And it's so, it's just, well, the flame comes from the, the heating of, of the, um, by the byproduct or the fuel, essentially. It's yeah. released. Um, but the yeah. energy so, to support all of that comes from the, the atoms breaking, right? And it's such yeah. a weird thing because, like, we're normally we're so far removed from, like, atoms breaking. And I mean, we're not, even if you just make a cup of tea, like, kind of that stuff, you know, bonds are forming and then things like that. But, like, that's kind of it in its most rawest form, right? Just breaking stuff apart and making new things. Yeah, essentially. It's fire. And the way that, yeah. like, it moves round and swells um, is all to do with the, the heat generated by the fire, uh, along with that movement, is to do with the very rapid movement of molecules within the flame. Oh, right. Because that's what that flame is doing. It's actually like burning and moving. That's why it was always moving. Um, as the fuel burns and the combustible gases are produced, the higher temperature causes nearby molecules to vibrate, rotate, and move very rapidly. And this increases molecular motion, translating into a higher temperature. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the intensity of the heat produced is dependent on various factors, such as... Now, fuel, the availability of oxygen, the efficiency of the combustion process. Um, different fuels have different densities, meaning they can release varying amount of heat when they're burned. Yeah. 
Um, and that pretty much touches upon what a fire needs to survive. Yes, the triangle, um, that's what all taught in GCSE physics. See, I didn't remember this Chemistry. until we'd spoken about it before. And you were like, oh, the fire triangle. And I'm, I was yeah. like, what? But uh, I did my research this time. There is a fire triangle. <laughs> there is a fire triangle, yeah. Uh, with your fuel on the bottom and then heat and oxygen making up the two the two sides, if you imagine an equilateral triangle. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, you said what well, you were taught, because I don't remember this. Uh, if you take <laughs> away one, <laughs> one side of the triangle, fuel, heat, or oxygen, you can try and... Ex- Extinguish the fire, right? Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. So I, I think this is how fire extinguishers work. Some of them, depending what it is. Yes. So they just smother the flames, and that takes the oxygen away. I think is the the main way they try and do that, and it also cools it down. So the two two fronts of the field there, but. Not only that, to actually keep the, the fire going. Um, so fuel, we kind of know what that is. It's the material that undergoes combustion. It can be solid, like wood, paper, liquid, gasoline or alcohol, or gas. So natural gas. Hydrogen is quite an explosive one. Um, what I always find, I'm going to say hilarious, but I also feel bad for these people or the people that they affect. Like there's a video that went around not too long ago of these people doing a gender reveal and yeah. they had lots of helium balloons and to open the helium balloon with the gender like powder in or whatever it was they decided to ignite it yes melt the balloon yeah. and of course the gas just instantly set on fire and caused an explosion and then set all the other balloons off which caused a bigger explosion madness um but the fuel provides Specifically, the carbon and the hydrogen atoms necessary for the reaction. So if the fuel cannot give up carbon and hydrogen, it's not going to set on fire that easily. Did you say the balloons are filled with helium or hydrogen? Helium. If that helium, helium is non-flammable, mate. So well, it's it was the heli- a floaty... it the helium. It's oh, the so this is this be. is an interesting phenomenon you see about. Um, this is a nuts. Say this is very like farmer-esque things. Um, oh, it was silos stored with um, you have to be really careful with silos stored with like flour or light grain because they can explode and they're exactly the same as dynamite because the particles are fine enough like if you have a if you light a match and hold it up then throw like powdered anything over it it'll ignite yeah that's crazy so yeah, that's probably that's probably why it was probably the if they had like the coloured flour or whatever mixture they had in the balloons, it was enough yeah. to like pop it. But the balloons were floating of their own accord, which is why I presumed it was helium. But so maybe they were using hydrogen. Nah, not after but the after the, sense, Zinnen, after the Zinnenberg, mate. I don't think yeah. it's commercially you're allowed to buy it. That would make sense. But yeah, balloons. maybe it was the thing they had in there. But it was a weird a weird thing going on. It's not really um, if you, they they pop it and then like the. The blue or the pink or whatever color they're using, it then goes everywhere, and that's what shows them. So I would assume that's what happened. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Do you, all right, I'm gonna. Do you, okay, um, I bring this up every time we talk about fire. Yeah. Do you remember the um, public information film when we were kids about the aliens that played with lighters? No. 
I've put the link down. Is that what you just sent me? In, right. sent you. So this is like a core memory unlocked in my childhood to teach me not to play with lighters. There was an advert in the UK. I'm not sure if it was anywhere in this, like America or anywhere else. And it essentially was like two advanced aliens and one of them got hold of lighter and then accidentally burnt down his entire civilization so that the aliens had to then go and live underground. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you want to find this, search Moonlighters. Or the fall the of the nights. Moon, moon nights, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was part this of the Fire wild. Kills campaign, I think. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. There's probably like Looney Tunes type stuff. Yeah, yeah, they, they invest a lot. Um, it was one of those like the stop, drop and roll campaigns you had when we were children. Made made us feel like there was like, going to be many situations that we'd be on fire when we were adults. Yeah, and then yeah. hasn't only happened once actually. Oh, were you being on fire? No, it hasn't really. Mm. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know. Have I ever been on fire? Have <laughs> I been on fire? I think maybe I have, but not for like a long period of time. Not sustained. Not sustained. Not sustained. Of time. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was mm. like, oh, that's bad. Mm. Wave your hand. Luckily, it goes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Spirits. I'll probably play with a lighter. Yeah, like, <laughs> I should have watched that video, shouldn't I? Um, um, yeah, with the, with the what's it called? The, the flip up lighters, what are they called? Zippos. Zippo. What? Are they Zippos? Is that, is that the type or the brand? That's a Pritt That's like a brand. The Pritt stick, isn't it? Zippo lighter. Zippo lighter is the brand, for sure. But there, there's that kind of classic uh, yeah, like, rectangle uh, flip up ones. Flip up yeah. ones. I used to have like, when I was in my teens, big fan of them. Um, yeah. so I bought a couple didn't realise like they had the sponge that kept the, the liquids that's how they worked at the bottom it wasn't like uh, the modern day lighters you have to uh, and I overfilled it with lighter fluid then I whipped it out <laughs> started it like fired it on and then just like my, my arm went up oh nasty <laughs> yeah that's fine I just like put it in my hoodie straight away and it went out um, but yeah that's what oh, I, that's I learned, my, learned my lesson that like you can overfill those lights <laughs> it's like watching those people who like are trying to set use gasoline to start a bonfire and then yes. the flame goes up to the canister and then they're walking around the garden just setting everything on fire yeah and it's yeah, like just yeah. put it down oh no yeah. the best one um, i've seen of that wait, wait, that didn't go terribly it's on like did the gasoline but then there was someone <laughs> off screen that had a uh bow and arrow that was also drenched in the fuel, lit on fire and fired it from across their garden. And it was still way too much. Like it didn't just set on fire, it just exploded. <laughs> it was the fact that they were like, okay, well, we'll take some safety and like light it from a distance. Yeah. Oh, well, at least they thought about that. Yeah. And <laughs> indeed they did. Indeed they did. Anyway. Um, so just circling back to the components of a fire then. So fuel, yeah. that provide carbon and hydrogen atoms necessary for the combustion reaction. You've got your oxidizer, which normally oxygen, but not always. Um, and this supports that combustion process and combines with the fuel to produce the byproducts, as much as Mitch said. Carbon dioxide, water vapor, various gases. This supplies, obviously, the oxygen <laughs> to make these uh, waste gases that we see in the flames. And then the chain reaction is the final part of that. So once the ignition, initial ignition occurs and produces heat, which breaks down the fuel molecules into free radicals, um, we don't need to know enough chemistry to 
go down that rabbit hole. Um, but essentially, they're just unstable versions of the elements or molecules that they were before. These radicals react with the oxygen, releasing more heat, forming more radicals, and then that chain reaction just goes on and on and on, and it's what propagates the fire. So, pretty nasty. Pretty nasty. Pretty nasty stuff. All right, so we covered what what is fire, fame, flame, fire? What's fire, it? yeah, fire. Uh, you can't talk well, about fire about flames. Through the fire and the flames, true. we carry on. Oh, mini, 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 mini. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, it's on my playlist. On my playlist. Oh, maybe I'll add it to a playlist right now. Uh, um, a good song by them, Fury of the Storm, as well. It's also a good song. Is it? It just takes me straight back to Guitar Hero days, probably when I was playing with lighters. Yes. Well, what would you like to speak about, about fire? Uh, I've got a few things. I, I had a look at like how fire changed the fire. Oh. I was caught on, like, oh, that's really, Ooh. really interesting. Uh, and it's all like how fire changed us as a race and what happened. Because it was okay. essentially the turning point, the initial turning point in technology and the technical evolution of human beings, fire was it. Yeah. Because it provided a, a, a source of warmth, protection from predators, a way to create more advanced hunting tools because, you know, you could um, eat, melt stones. Craft. What was it, what's yeah. it called? You, Forge. For, yeah, forging, smelting, um... Refining rocks is more chipping, isn't it? You just yeah. chip away at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, you could actually get the the metals and stuff and make alloys. Yeah. But did they make it accidentally? I always think, I always remember watching like how they came out with like the Bronze Age and how they went from the Bronze Age to the next one. Is they accidentally left some of the metal in their like smelting pit and then put the new stuff in and then accidentally made the the new good one and that was their. Oh, they technology. accidentally made an alloy. Yeah, and that's there. Yeah, they accidentally made an alloy that was like lighter and stronger. That's I why mean, I guess there's no way to, to falsify it, whether that was actually the case, but it makes sense. Yeah. Unless actually they were just full of philosophers back then and alchemists, and then it was just lost because they weren't writing any of it down. Um. And, uh, yeah, I don't mean like they the, were creating alloys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like uh, the Bronze Age, which happened yeah. in 3000 BCE. Yeah. So that was the first one, which, if you don't know, bronze is created with uh, copper and tin. Makes bronze. Copper and tin. Yeah, oh, copper really? and tin. So they were making like, like copper sheets or tin, copper sheets or tin, something. And they were just like, yeah, accidentally just, boop, here's bronze. And that's where you got the Bronze Age, when, when people jumped into the Bronze Age. Well, imagine being a whole age ahead of everyone else around you. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. The- Oh, we were. <laughs> you were playing, what was it? Not Age of Empires, the other one. Well, you were playing Stone uh, Stronghold. Stronghold. I was Stronghold I was two. playing Age of Empires. Yeah, Age of Empires. I mean, uh, like, a behind an age. Is always literally, yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also changed methods of cooking. Um, it, asked, it then allowed for the geographic dispersal of humans. The cultural innovations, changes to diet and behavior, essentially, and additionally, creating fire allowed humans' activities to continue into the darker and colder hours of the evenings instead of going to bed 
super early because there was no safety out in the dark. Um, there's actually evidence of microscopic traces of wood ash as controlled uses of fire by Homo erectus uh, beginning some one million years ago. Really? Yep. Whole million. How did they know it was Homo erectus? Uh, the area, they probably found some bones near it that kind of like... Uh, I guess. Or they just, maybe we weren't there at that time. Yeah, carbon dating, maybe. I don't know, probably carbon dating. Um, And flint flint blades burned in fires roughly 300,000 years ago were found near fossils of early but not entirely modern Homo sapiens in Morocco. Fire was used regularly and systematically by early modern humans to heat, treat, uh, silicate stone to increase its flake ability for the purpose of tool making approximately oh. 164,000 years ago. Um, this was found in South Africa at Pinnacle Point. Then evidence of widespread control of fire by uh, anatomically modern humans dates to approximately 125,000 years ago. Um, yeah. So there is, there's a massive history of fire about like when we started um, and when, when the our te- technical like Technological revolution started and just got quicker and quicker. Would we say it was the quicker. start of the technical revolution, technological revolution. Yeah, it was, I would say, not the start, but like the turning point where we went from like knuckle draggers it, it's to, not. <laughs> to start being like, you know, what we see today. Yeah. It, we, we didn't create it, right? We just learned to control it. Yeah, it that, that's, that's, it's not the, cre- the creation. Yeah, you're right. It's not the creation of fire. It's the control of fire. Yeah. But I, I would say a, it's possibly uh, one of the most important, from what you're saying, the amount of yeah. implications it has, possibly one of the most important parts of in human history. If you can't create or destroy energy, Tom, it can only be transferred. Yeah, and that's exactly what they knew back then as well. Yeah, they were like, hmm, yes, but I have not created this. I have simply converted it. Um, Behold the alchemist. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> Ooga Booga, alchemist number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is mad actually to think how important fire has been to different societies around the world, uh, cultures, and just how instrumental it must have been back then to keep animals away, right? Yeah, animals away. Um, naturally afraid of fire. And then um, the second thing that it changed for us is the one well, like, I think is like one of the most important is diet. So, right. like, yeah. before the, the the controlling of the fire, human diets uh, was limited mostly plants, composed of simple sugars, carbohydrates, such as seeds, flowers, fleshy fruits. Um, parts of the plants, such as the stem, mature leaves, and large roots and tubers, would have been inaccessible as a food source due to its indigestibility of raw cellulose and starch. And cooking, however, made starchy and fibrous foods edible and greatly increased the diversity of foods available to early humans. Again, you know feeling that our ability to survive and adapt and to spread out. Um, Accessing a new niche. Yeah, it's not a new niche. niche. Um, and then certain foods which had toxin-containing foods, uh, some seeds and carbohydrate sources, such as cyogenic glycosides found in linseed and cassava, um, were then also introduced into diets because cooking rendered them non-toxic. Like, yep. who was the first one to figure that out? Uh, I, I don't know. I, like, they must have been a lot of trying to back then to be like, let's and chuck that like, on the fire and see what happens. Yeah. Just be like, okay, I know this killed Jerry, but 
<laughs> I'm yeah, going to try putting it in the fire. Yeah. Maybe they just fed it to like an animal first. Oh, see, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like animal testing back then. Because they're like, oh, they don't want to kill me. Let's kill it. Let's use the animal. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, cooking also killed parasites as well. Oh, that's important. Uh, it also reduced the amount of energy required for chewing and digestion and releasing more nutrients from plants and meat. Uh, due to the difficulty of chewing raw meat and digesting really tough proteins of collagen and carbohydrates, the development of cooking served as an effective mechanism to efficiently process meat and allow for its consumption in larger qualities, uh, which is high caloric density and store of important nutrients. Meat thus became a staple diet for early humans, uh, which then added to their ability to run further, um, because, you know, it was less heavy in their stomach, giving them more energy, uh, made them stronger, all that sort of jazz. Oh, also, right. um, lowering the toxicity in the food from cooking increased its nutrient yield, and it also uh, allowed for an earlier weaning age, permitting females to have more children. So it facilitated population growth at that time as well. Oh. So, so many things happening from fire. That just allowed us to like, boom, we're here now. We're expanding. We're efficient. It makes sense. I mean, I think, so I was in Mozambique for six weeks. Oh, yeah, I just stories. (laughs) No, it's just the only experience I think I've knowingly had of eating something that's poisonous before you've cooked it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that they have a lot there is called matapa. It's this kind of stew thing, primarily made from cassava. Yeah, cassava. That's what's up. Leaves, uh, which yeah. is what reminded me of it. Um, and that's the only time I've ever like had something where I was like, "Oh, this is poisonous if it's not cooked." Bloody delicious. <laughs> he spent the whole time being like, "Are you sure this is cooked for enough time?" Are you, are you <laughs> oh, sure it was this hot is enough. cooked? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just something you don't go in your day-to-day life. You are, I can have fire in my pocket anytime I want. I've got a machine dedicated to firing things without producing fire, i.e. the oven. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a different thing. But yeah. Well, yeah, same same, same result though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> same result, different thing. Um, there or thereabouts. Yeah, like, there's so many different ways to, you know, what's the saying? To skin a cat, cook a fish? Skin a cat, cook a fish. Yeah, and whenever, whenever, what are those shows where they just send people to live on an island? Oh, Castaway. <laughs> Castaway, well, I think Bear Grylls did one as well. <laughs> yeah, he did, he um, did. And essentially, they were, the, the things they were told was, get fire. <laughs> the mm. first thing you need to do is build a fire and keep yeah. that alive, because without that, you're screwed. Um, there's one one episode of the castaway where some disgruntled <laughs> woman oh uh, she puts the fire out <laughs> oh, no. yeah they're all in charge of like taking turns looking after the fire and something happens there's a trial or something and she doesn't get voted or someone gets voted off and she likes and she just puts the fire out and they're like what have you done and just shunned her is that a more recent show castaway yeah. uh, oh, right. uh, is it called castaway Yes. Oh, Actually, Survivor. Survivor. It's called Survivor. Very American show. Yeah. Uh, I'll give that a go. Oh, 2000. Wow. 44 seasons. 
Yeah, wow. there, there, there is a lot. Big, big cult classic in America. Um, Dropout.tv, Brendan Mulligan and other such friendly folks who do D&D and other funny game shows. They did uh, Survivor as a game show. So funny. Did they? Good advice going to watch. Yeah, it's one of their... Um, Oh, what's uh, they? What do they call it? Uh, where they don't know what they're playing until they're playing it. Uh, I have no idea. I, yeah, uh, it's called, I it's called Game Changer. Oh, I see. Game Changer is probably one of my favorite seasons of like series of anything that's happened in the past like two years. There's uh, an episode where they are trying to work out what is happening because they keep like losing points and they don't realize that they've been wired up with like um, heart rate monitors and they're being stressed out. Uh, <laughs> and if their heart rate went above a certain thing, they would lose a point. Um, okay. I'll watch that. Yeah. So, that's like so the panel good. show one, isn't it? Uh, it's always three people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good time. But the latest one, the latest three episodes was, um, they called it battle royale. Because they weren't obviously allowed to call it Survivor, but it's essentially Survivor, and they vote people off, and they have to do these like ridiculous uh, challenges. Oh, I'll check it out. It's so good. I, I would recommend anybody to check it out. Funniest. Fun Dropout TV thing. is a great time. Yeah, absolutely. For the right, price. Uh, now on that Netflix, you can't share a household. So if you're looking for a better way to invest your money, drop it out to TV. TV. Yes. Good shout. Um, I got I got the email and then my my Xbox was like, mate, you got a is this the household that you're choosing? And I was like, oh, time for me to cancel. No, I haven't used uh, Netflix since that happened. Haven't that happened y- yesterday. Oh, it only happened yesterday. Oh, yeah, okay. happened yesterday. Oh, because I saw something on the news about it last week. I was like, oh, okay, it's probably already. No, happened. there was the email that went out. Like, yeah. Just for one household, and then the technical thing came into effect. I yesterday. see. Yeah, and they tried to buy everybody up by buying the rights to Harry Potter. Oh, that's what it. That's why they did that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, we've got all the Harry Potter, including Fantastic Beasts, where to find them? Not the latest one, though. Um, no, of course, with Matt Mickelson in. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what they did. Phenomenal actor. We love Mads. We do love Mads. In Hannibal, he is fantastic. Yeah. Whether you, but he uses fire a lot to uh, cook humans. So moving back to fire. Bring <laughs> it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got some behaviors of fire. Behaviors. Behaviors. Out of control. Just absolutely, absolutely. out of control. Can't condition it. Can't control it. <laughs> Can't control it's doing it. Doing what it wants. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of to do with the three well, main ways that fire transfers heat and then how that affects how it spreads around the environment. Um, so, conduction. Well, let's see if you remember, if you, you know these. Maybe you've looked at them. I would probably would have got these wrong had I not looked them up. So, what's conduction? What? What's conduction? Of what? Fire? Of, like, heat. Of heat is when... Um... With the material gets energized and then vibrates and that vibrates knocks along the other is that what you're looking for yeah i mean even more in depth i was just going to go with conduction is the transfer of heat through direct oh yeah okay contact. sorry yeah sorry i was going right off yeah the so, transfer of heat mate via yeah. the agitation or excitement of 
atoms within a material or um there's a, there's a better name for it that I've forgotten. Conductor. Depending on the density, will change <laughs> whether the heat is conducted well or not. Correct. So let's say you're cooking something in your frying pan. Um, that that frying pan is going to be hot because it's conducting the heat. Metal is a good conductor. It transfers heat along yeah, well because the atoms are close together. Yeah. Wood, not good conductor. No. It will heat up eventually, but that's why it's better to use wood. Um, uh, water best conductor and that's why we have it for essential heating you didn't know um back in the day there were solid pipes oh really before they were hollow and they started to pipe water yeah they were just like metal pipes that you just ran through your homes and they just heat the metal pipes oh okay i thought that was to do with um specific heat capacity but i guess that makes it a conductor right Makes sense. Um, so in the context of fire spreading, conduction c- occurs when the heat is transferred from the flame or hot materials to adjacent surfaces. Uh, for example, a fire burning a tree can tra- transfer heat to nearby vegetation through direct contact. Yes. Uh, and that will cause fire to spread horizontally. Yeah, You've got convection. You, uh, pre-burn. A bit of pre-burn? Yeah, pre-burn. It's where they burn an area before the main fire gets there. Oh, so it's got nothing to spread to has got nothing to spread to yeah oh, that's good uh convection what, what what do we think that is i would say something to do with air correct convection <laughs> is the transfer of heat through the movement of a fluid such as air or gases uh, okay. yes right. air yeah. is a fluid technically we'll come on to that later in a yeah. few episodes um yeah. in the case of fire convection plays a significant role in spreading flames vertically as the air as the heated air rises from the fire, it creates an updraft, and thus the air that's moved upwards has to be replaced from air horizontally, drawing fresh air towards the fire, causing more oxygen to get to the fire, and then, obviously, chain reaction as we experienced earlier, and then sends um, fire upwards. This is known as the convection column. Uh, last one is radiation, which is the transfer of heat through electromagnetic waves. So in the context of fire spread, radiant heat is emitted by flames or hot surfaces and can ignite fuels at a distance. This is the heat that you feel as you approach a fire. Um, Radiant heat travels in straight lines and can preheat fuels ahead of the fire, making it more susceptible to ignition. And depending how these mechanisms interact can cause different fire spreading i want to say techniques but it's not a technique because that involves skill fire just does what it wants um again strategies just causes fire to spread in certain different ways to surface fires is basically methods again it implies intention no it doesn't Uh, i feel like intention has to be there for it to be a method death death has methods of claiming people but it doesn't mean you know but in that in that instinct, uh, instance, we're talking about death as a phenomenon, like a physical thing. Yeah, I wish it is. Well, that's fair. You can't um, prove me wrong. <laughs> There's no evidence. Yeah, valid, valid. Um, so surface fires typically burn along the ground, consuming low-lying vegetation, um, yeah. influenced by conduction, radiation, and they don't spread that quickly relatively to some other uh, methods we'll go with. But that would completely change, let's say, in a, you know, in the Australian outback like we had last year, where it was just horrible. 
um, and they spread super quickly because everything was super dry. You have crown fires. Crown fires occur when a fire spreads into the upper canopy of trees or vegetation. So this is specific uh, fire spreading patterns in like the wilderness because I'm a biologist and that's what I care about. Um, <laughs> so the upper canopy or trees and move rapidly from the tree crowns to the tree crowns, usually driven by a combination of convection and radiation. And the last one, fire whirls or fire tornadoes or fire nados. Um, exactly as you expect, spinning vortices of flames that form in certain fire conditions and are caused between the interaction of strong updrafts of air and intense heat. Um, this, these phenomena can develop vertically, spinning with great force and carrying burning debris or embers over long distances, which is utterly terrifying. Imagine just trying to deal with a normal fire, let alone a fire that's got its own mind and can move. Uh, it just seems crazy to me. Mm. Fire nados. Fire nados, yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Don't want to be running into those. No, no. Fire nado or shark nado. You don't want to be running into one of those. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> Fantastic. You know what, top 10. <laughs> top 10 of all time. Top 10. Yeah, like the um, shark octopus. Shark Return octopus. of shark yes. octopus. Shark Aren't octopus there like two? seven of those? I don't know how many shark octopus movies there are, but there's, there's a, a lot. lot. Too many. I seem to remember watching one by accident once. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, Sharknado is the guy with the chainsaw when he like, jumps into the tornado and jumps into the mouth of the shark and comes out the back of it. Oh. Yeah. Shocktopus. Shocktopus? <laughs> Have you not seen Shocktopus? No. The shark octopus. It's got the front uh. the front of it is the shark and the bottom is an octopus. I mean, well. that is what I saw. Yeah, that's... What's come up though when I put in Shocktopus is the electric Shocktopus on Steam. Ah, okay. Um, it's like a platform side scroller. There was another like they, these are just like B movies that they just combine. Yeah. Things. There was um, Piranaconda. Okay. Which is a piranha, obviously, and an anaconda, the yeah. snake, and the piranha. Yeah. There's just um, there's Dino Croc. Super Gator. <laughs> yeah. Why do why do these things exist? Oh, I don't know, but they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so I looked a bit more into like uh, like weird anomalies that happens with fire. So first of all, I looked into invisible fire, which okay, that uh, sounds it's, awful. It's not a scientific term or a specific type of fire. Um, by definition, it is visible. You know, characterized by the presence of flames, the emission of light, the the bonds being broken. Um, but there are instances where flames or fire may be difficult to see or appear almost invisible under certain conditions. For example, in fuel-rich environments, such as natural gas leaks or alcohol-based fires, the flames may burn with a pale or faint appearance, making them harder to detect. These types of fires can particularly be dangerous because they are less noticeable. You don't know that you're actually on fire or you've got the fuel on you and it just feels hot and people have no idea what to do. There used to be a race where they used this type of fire uh, fuel. There was a particular type of fuel that they used. Um, was it uh, methanol? Ethanol? In one of the cars. Uh, and it's out on fire. They didn't realize. And this guy was like i'm on fire i'm on fire and that's what you're chatting about and he was actually on fire 
Oh. But no one, can, no one can see it because it was the daytime. So it was just completely clear, colourless fire that he was on. That's absolutely horrific. Absolutely terrifying, yeah. The only way to see it is if, like, in, if in complete darkness or low light, there'll be a very, I think it's like violet flame. Right. But in, like, daylight, you just can't see it. Yeah, methanol. I'm seeing fires now that are just... Yeah. There, there's That's a clip. utterly terrifying. There, there's a clip of him trying to get out and the guy being like, don't come near me, I'm on fire. And they're like, what? And then he gets hosed down with the uh, the old fire extinguishers. The old fire extinguishers. The old, the old yeah. good fire extinguishers. Those. What a great invention. The other one I looked at is fires in space being absolutely tight, terrifying. Any, do you know what? Anything in space that isn't supposed to be there is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess, like, if you're in just such a small, confined environment where literally nothing should go wrong, fire's (laughs) not the thing you want there. And nothing should go wrong. (laughs) We all went wrong! Yeah, so combustion in in microgravity, uh, which is essentially just, like, you know, the environment of space, uh, the flames behave completely different. Because there's no gravity... Pulling the hot gases upwards. It's a weird way of saying that sentence, but it's actually correct. Right. Um, because the cold cold gets pulled. Hot air goes out. Yeah. Uh, flame takes a spherical shape and burns more slowly. The lack oh. of convection results in reduced oxygen flow, making the combustion less efficient, so it burns for longer. But it just burns in a perfect sphere. And there, there's... You, you can go go to the, your YouTubes and look at like fire on um, like match lit uh, ISS or um, International Space Station fire exper- oh, yeah. uh, experiments, and you can go you know look at it, and it's just like the weirdest oh, thing. Weird, it's like a it tiny little blue bubble. Yeah, it completely subverts your the, like the norm of what you think fire looks like. It just turns into a perfect sphere of flame. Yeah, which... it's still got like a yellow top to it, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, that looks weird. Mm-hmm. Very strange. It's, it's one of the reasons why they have to be so um, safe. And the safety measures, like, in space are so unique and, like, the safety protocols are so, like, stringent uh, that because of because of this reason, because the fire would just, like, stay when it would spread, but it, like, it becomes such, like, burning points. Oh, right. um, like the materials that are used in spacecrafts, they have to like undergo extensive testing for like their fire resistance um, and like the suppression methods, um, such as non-toxic gases being pumped into an area. Um, and it's one, one of the things you see in like um, sci-fi and things like that. It's like fire suppressants in, oh, I was just reading it, uh, the book, the re- book I was reading, the fourth wing wings yeah um they had they had the archive like was like one of the the, like four pillars of what you did when you were growing up you went to like scribe or like the dragon riders whatever they're called um but the the archive where the scribes lived after they went out uh like they flooded it with uh carbon dioxide or i can't remember what gas they did it in this mythical world but essentially to me like the, the fire from the dragons if there was any sort of thing wouldn't set their history on fire because it was it like couldn't there was no oxygen oh to that's do it. cool 
Um, and one of the one of the situations they bring it in is one of the scribes is like yawning a lot, and the other one explains to him, it's like, yeah, because the oxygen level in here is lower to stop the spread of fires. It makes so much sense. Sorry, you set me off by saying yawning. Um, <laughs> yeah, it makes so much sense. Aren't there libraries like that? Yes, yes. A lot of the like the Vatican like, doesn't that the have Vatican that? and the, the famous libraries? They'll they'll either have like they'll just suck all the air out, right? Which like is there's the, there's the also movies where the person dies because they just like have all the air sucked out and they like suffocate. Yeah. Um, but I think they they have it off long enough, so it's like it's quick enough that it can pull all the oxygen out, but like enough that you'd be able to hold your breath if you need to turn it back on again. If yeah, to like yeah, uh, to turn, turn it on again, so it could suppress the fire, um, or releasing like carbon dioxide enough to dampen it, that kind of thing. Yeah, the ones the, the fire suppression systems I really like are the like the turret based water cannons that can do like spot fires. Have you oh, seen I've that? seen those. That there's, is there's, there's two so types. funny. There, there's one that's like for office-based use. I say office-based. I mean like big warehouse offices that are like fires across. Um, and there's some videos. <laughs> you go like, uh, actually brilliant. The other one is like, um, it's an AI-based fire suppression system for uh, like tips, like trash okay. compactors. Yeah. So obviously when you can... Com- like compact a lot of metal and stuff together there are like hot points that are created and it's actually just a thermal a thermal imaging camera and all it does is it looks for the points that go like yellow or red and then just hoses it down <laughs> um it's really 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 smart yeah the, the only video i've seen of that i think must be like the, the warehouse one yes they, they lit a fire <laughs> really, really in, in like a, a bucket and then this thing drops down from the ceiling and just shoots water at it like way too powerfully. But yeah. it works; it's effective. Yeah, it puts mm-hmm. the fire out. So yeah, it puts the fire out. Yeah, that's cool. I know I've seen that now that people have tried, well, not tried. They've successfully they've got these like fire suppression grenades. Yes. Yeah, they work. Um, and it's basically. It must be carbon or no, not carbon because that would <laughs> that would add fuel to the fire. Um, something, some other fire re- uh, suppressant thing that they just throw out. This little thing explodes and just gets rid of all the oxygen really quickly and like smothers the the heat source or mm-hmm. the, the fuel. Um, surprisingly effective, especially in like a confined space. Really yeah. cool. Really, what you need. Yeah. Uh... It works by uh, interrupting the fire triangle. That's how that's how it's designed. That makes sense. What what part of is it is it targeting? Um, the heat or the oxygen? Fire, it just says the fire suppressant agent. So I guess there's there's multiple different types that that aim for different ones. Yeah, um, I guess if you're surrounding the local area, you're taking the oxygen out. Yeah, try chemicals, powders, or clean agents. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. All right. Uh, Well, we're coming up to the hour. Yeah. So we're not getting onto water today. No, no, there we go. The next one. I was was nearly going to, like, link into it with, like, explosives and water and how there's currently... uh, Well, currently, a a few years ago, they came up with it, but way too... um, 
deactivate explosives or explosive devices is there's pretty much just like a an, another explosive device that has water in it uh and it blows up the water and the water gets fired through what they're trying to deactivate because it's both wet and like everything breaks apart into a million pieces it means right. that the explosion doesn't go off it makes sense yeah <laughs> it takes like, out the heat the oxygen fuel yeah yeah, it just does everything. It smothers it, puts it into pieces, makes it damp. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that then. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else? Also, you wanna... yeah. For our listeners that are going to listen next week, have a think. Is water wet? That is the big question. One of the big questions that we'll be struggling and wrangling with is: Is water wet? I feel like I have my answer. You can say yes. But we'll save you? that for. Um... Ooh. I wasn't actually, mm. but I'll save it for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Have a think, listeners. Have a think. Maybe I'll reevaluate. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Tom, you want to wind us down? Or have you just unplugged your mic accidentally? No, he's not there. Uh, so uh, thank you all for listening. If you can. Uh, <laughs> just messaged me his mic has in fact died right at the end of the show for the best time to do it uh you can like subscribe share us where you can information energy pod uh tom's not gonna do his sign off this week so it's just me i will catch you guys in the next one